I might do. No. I would, but you I'm just, I'm just, seven, I'm just improving, man. Improving. And D's away. You talking to me? Did you have a brain tumor for breakfast? Well, who the hell else are you talking? You talking to me? No funny how. I'm Peter Vinkman. We all go a little mad sometimes. I think I'm entitled. You want answers. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Welcome to another Frame by Frame. Um, to my right is Andy Lewin. Hi, guys. <laughs> He's getting very comfortable in the role of, of Andy host. Lewin. <laughs> six years. Just getting used to it now. <laughs> <laughs> and to my left is Stephen Radford. So we, we got home. We did, finally. Wow. Yes. What a journey. We didn't want to drag that out too long. <laughs> <laughs> the, the sound effects were driving me crazy. <laughs> what, 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 what sound effects? <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, we, um, we've, we've had a bit of an interesting... Um, Few weeks, Yeah. yeah. But best put it behind us and not worry about it too much. No, no. Um, funnily enough, we weren't. We didn't seem to be missed. We got no. home and it was like it always been there. It's like I'd never left. Yeah, and Spice Girls still have a career. Backstreet Boys, back, back, Backstreet Boys are still missing. Yeah. Um, life is good. All's <laughs> <laughs> well with the world. Sorry, did I say Spice Girls still have a career? They, well, they do. That's a sad thing, isn't it? Well, they not doing? as Spice Girls, but the, as separate units. <laughs> Posh is now married to a, a, a famous footballer, mm. and, and she designs clothes. <laughs> Emma Bunton. I've got. I actually know the careers. I'll have this. You do. Come Emma, on. Emma Bunton's a DJ now. For um, no way. Yeah, yeah. She does. She's a DJ. Um, Sporty did. The um, Jesus Christ Superstar. Superstar. <laughs> the superstars wow. are available. <laughs> what, can, um, what can you buy? The Jesus Christ Superstar. Um, it, do they have a Blue Cross sale? They do. Yeah, you can buy right. crowns of thorns. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know. And is there a carpenter section? <laughs> so what we talk about this week? <laughs> yeah, Jesus Get that Christ. Dribble out of the way with. Yeah, no, that's good. That's good. Um, so let's talk about. Um, well, we, we we basically have the same um, enjoyment for the films directed by Cameron Crowe. Yes, we do. And um, most re- recently I have uh, put Almost Famous into my top ten list of, of, of favourite films of all time. Wow. And uh, I, I kind of, you know, I, I, it's not as if it's one of these things where I'm sitting for ages going, is it in, is it out? But yeah. This song explains why I'm leaving home to become a stewardess. We can't talk. We have to listen to rock music. I was given the untitled edition of Almost Famous. And um, I watched it again, and I listened to the commentary, and I'm, I'm just thinking that this, this movie is definitely one of, one of my almost favourite. Oh, oh, oh. Almost <laughs> favourite. 
one of my favourite films. And um, one thing I've yeah. noticed the difference between the theatrical cut and this this sort of director's cut, essentially. It's isn't so it? much deeper. It yeah. is because when I watched the original theatrical cut of Almost Famous, I really enjoyed it. As, yeah. as a musician, it's great. You know what I mean? And I love that that musical era anyway you know with, yeah. with Zeppelin was and all that it's fantastic and I thought that was a great film but yeah. that was it that's when it, I yeah, watched yeah. the this uncut director's cut thingamajig version it's of like it it's like you're there so yeah much, I'm like so much. so much more there's so much of a better film see I couldn't remember you know the scene where they're actually at the radio DJ and they're doing the interview and he falls asleep and then they just start talking about whatever they want to talk yeah, about yeah. was that in the theatrical was that the uncut points <laughs> now we're talking, right? Right? Why the fuck do you have to wait till an interview in Arizona to say something nice about me, man? Why don't you say it to my fucking face sometimes? Because I tell you every time I think you nailed something. Everybody pays you compliments. It's not my fucking job to kiss your fucking ass. Seriously, then whose fucking job is it? Because my ass is dying for a kiss, man, and I know yours is, too. Uh, it's uh, my fucking job, and I think you're all geniuses, and I'd just like to say to the folks out there, I'd like to leave you this thought smegma. Nice. Fellows? Mm. <laughs> Feces. <laughs> the name of the song is Love Thing. Your mind is starting to take effect. They've all come to watch you swallow fire. I thought that went well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because always have this problem with dis- with discerning as to which is which. Because I, I, it's like with Blade Runner. I don't know about you, but I have to have Blade Runner on five screens, or because there are five different editions, would you believe, available. I have to have them all, so that I can see the differences there and then. I have to have that comparison. Yeah, let's um, do that. I, let's, let's somehow put all five Blade Runners on at the same time. <laughs> And just see the difference. We've got mini DVD players, and I do have the uh, the five set of uh, Blade Runner. So Let's do that. We'll, we'll do that, and we'll just film ourselves reacting to all the different screens. Yeah. But, but yeah, so I find it difficult to know where all the. Uh, but I can I can definitely felt that I was deeper into the movie, even though I couldn't or necessarily tell where the cuts were and right. where the scenes were. Okay. Um, I'm just that. Yeah, <laughs> but it's yeah. When, when I watch it, it's I try and determine what actually happened to Cameron Crowe for real because it's sort of semi autobiographical, yeah, it is isn't it? Pretty much, yeah. Because I know the um, he was the, held back like he was in in the film. Yeah, and I, and I know no, the, push forward. Sorry, he he was actually put ahead. He wasn't pulled back. He was put ahead. Right. In, in but I know the scene where the groupies deflower him. That actually happened to him. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a real thing, you know. That's, and that, that's just insane because it's like three, three of them, four of them dancing around. Yeah. And um, you know we, we've all been there. Oh yeah. <laughs> well, actually, no, I chickened out on mine, but um, I, I, yeah, unfortunately, chickened out. Well, luckily, as a twenty-something um, musician, I had some similar experiences in New York, but you know. Yeah. Yeah, those times have way gone now. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's, we have such parallel lives, <laughs> except I just chicken out on all mine. And when they were watching, he showed the film to quite a few of his friends, and, and he yeah. he showed it with he did a viewing with Robert Plant. Did you know about this? No, and oh, I may have. 
Yeah, well, yeah, so he sat, just him and Robert Plant sat down and he showed almost famous to it. And you know the scene where, what's the main guy called? The guitarist. And then, the Jones. We take a brief time out where we just look up the... Uh, Russell Russell Hammond, Hammond of course yeah I so the character is Russell Hammond and yeah. he stood on top of uh, that house yes and gone, I am a golden god I am a golden god yeah! Yeah! I am a golden god hey Russell don't jump and you can tell Rolling Stone magazine that my last words were I'm on drugs. Yeah! Russell, I think we should work on those last words. Okay. Oh, I got it. 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 This is better. Last words. I dig music. I'm on drugs. Just come on down. And we'll go back to the hotel. Okay. And then the following day, they were like taking a mick out of him for saying, Oh, you're saying you're golden guy. He goes, Oh, I did not say that. And Robert Plant, who was watching it, went, Yeah, I did. That was that. Robert Plant did that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. you know, because nice. I think most of the film was based on Cameron Crowe was on tour with Zeppelin. Yeah, yeah, exactly. This is good. And I know there was another, he watched it with uh, Brian Wilson of um, The Genius Behind the Beach Boys. Yes. And yeah. um, there's a song. Feel Flows that comes on which is a song Carl Wilson wrote and Brian started crying because Carl had died at that point and Damn. that song just reminds him because it's a really good song and you always think well Brian must have wrote that because it's so good but it was a Carl Wilson song very psychedelic sort of tune it's all about the music of course it is it is all about the music and uh, that, that seems to be Cameron Crowe's staple especially Almost Famous I think Almost Famous is pretty much um the soundtrack is as important. Yeah, uh, you you own the film, you own the soundtrack, mm. and vice versa. Cameron Crowe uses music throughout his films to kind of get the right mood with the writing, with the directing. When he's on the set, always has music on, always has music going. Yeah, I know. Um, he gives whenever he's lucky enough to make a, a film, he gives a copy of Pet Sounds to every every one of the actors. And he'll use a specific song, say, "This is how you're feeling. This is, this is sound. Yeah. This is how to love. This is how to feel pain." Yeah. Because yeah. you know, and I'm a massive Beach Boys fan, so I love Cameron Crowe because of that. Because you know that. Yeah. Well, there was um, a Brian Wilson tribute concert done, and Cameron Crowe gave gave a talk about Pet Sounds on it, and he said that's what he does before when before he, he starts to film. He gives a copy of Pet Sounds to everybody on set and said, this is what we're looking for. This is how to live. This is how to do that. Yeah. It's literally just a, a spectrum of, of all emotions on that whole album. That's your age, yeah, yeah. That's, yeah. That's the way to do it. And I mean, that's, that's how I write. Um, not in the same way, of course, because I use score music to, mm. to write. And it's all about mood music. You know, you, you, you want to, if you want to get dark, you, you reach for the seven soundtrack. Or you go for a little bit of uh, death and the maiden, you know, something that's got that gr- grit. And um, but for some reason, his movies, even if he does pick a sad song, even if there's a, there's so much hope. 
behind the image that accompanies it. Mm. He, his the music choices are never dark and uh, um, they are touching, emotional, sentimental at times, but they are never ever just grit dark. He never never goes um, you know, Jeff Buckley hallelujah, you know? No, no <laughs> yeah, and his films are very light. Light, yes. Which is nice. Not, yeah. Not all of them. It's refreshing. It is refreshing yeah. because I, I, you, you watch Jerry Maguire, you watch Almost Famous, you watch Fast Times at, at Ridgemont High, yeah. um, you watch about, uh, we, we bought a zoo. Yeah. And they're all kind of just easy watching. Vanilla Sky, however, slightly different direction. It is. I don't particularly think that film works very well. It's not his. It's not him. It's, yeah, and uh, I said this to you the other day. When when I watched Vanilla Sky, it was the first time I'd ever got a sense of I'm watching an actor. I'm watching Tom Cruise in a film. Mm. Usually before that, even like in Jerry Maguire, I'm not thinking I'm watching Tom Cruise. No, I'm thinking I'm watching a brilliant film here. Yeah, but Vanilla Sky, I'm just watching Tom Cruise do his thing. You know, apart from I do like that shot when um, he's in is it Times Square? And yeah, and he's deserted. It's, yes. That's a really good shot. It, it, it's it's a challenge to do to be it able is. to to do that. And I, I guess I, it shows the power yeah. of a director to be able to yeah. just board off Times Square for a few for well, it would have been the best part of a day to get a shot like that. But exactly, and but Cameron Crowe is is this director who you just if, if you want to kind of spend the a day in somebody's shoes it would be him imagine the respect that you'd get yeah. to be Cameron freaking crow you never think oh I'd love to spend a day with David Fincher <laughs> you know what I mean Cause you think, I don't know I don't, I don't I know. think he'd try and he'd walk my head or something but with Cameron Crowe I think, Crow, I think dark I, well, I don't know but I'd love to spend think, a day with Cameron Crowe I can, I can imagine David Fincher has a good old chuckle at um, uh, I don't know watching Watching comedies on TV. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I can imagine watching Mark and Mindy and actually I'm painting the screen black. Right, <laughs> <laughs> writing his next script on the wall, but with poo. <laughs> oh, poor Dev. Oh, no, David Fincher, come on. No, all I'm saying, though, is like... We love him. Just, no, yeah. I love, don't, get, don't get me wrong, right? What I, mean by, what I mean by what I've just said is... Judging by his movies. Judging by not his movies. Yeah, 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 if I have to just go from his films. Oh my god, imagine Michael Bay. He'll <laughs> <laughs> be like, he'll go into his house, he'll be like, breaking through the door. Here's your coffee. <laughs> no, he would, he'd be sat there in some girl in a bikini and bring a coffee and form and he'd slap her ass as she walks out. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, David, David Fincher. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I totally get what you mean. I think it just yeah. kind of see, it seemed a bit sad when we we're actually painting the walls of poo. I just <laughs> it's not what I mean. You know what I mean? Like, if we're going off this as a, as a template, if you spend yeah. the day at David Lynch's house, you, lots of coffee in Lynch's house. You know what I mean? And, and there'd be strange people at the window, yeah, with mining, masks on climbing and, and masking, and, and, and yeah, yeah, there'd be people dressed up as rabbits over there. And he'd be shouting at you. Even though he's right next to you. Yeah. <laughs> but obviously, but Lynch is a person who's like yeah. really sort of passive, yeah. interesting, you know, artistic guy. Yeah. So, you know. anyway, Cameron Crowe. But Cameron uh, Crowe is exactly who you think he is, I think, as well. He's kind of like, yeah. you know, you know, he'd be, a, he'd be a 
very specific because I mean, like you say, Almost Famous is a very specific kind of film. Yeah. The detail in it, the the era, it is 1973, and it is him, his life, and everybody in it are, are people who represent parts of his life. Yeah. So the amount of control that he would have over that, yeah. So he, but I can imagine he just he just kind of puts you there and just say, listen to this. Okay, you're, you're just doing it. Yeah. Go for it. It, it. I think it's that intuitive. I think he has that. That that's why everybody wants to work with him. And the band Stillwater, they actually yeah. learned the songs, didn't they? They actually they played them songs. A lot of method acting in this because they literally all were a band um, yeah. when they were when they weren't. They not many of them actually played guitar before. So you know we have these actors that when we see them, I feel safe. Yes, we talk about yeah. this quite a lot. Safe, Jason yeah. Lee. I always feel safe when Jason Lee's in the film. Jason Lee. I've got his name wrong, haven't I? No, 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 no. I have, yeah, Jason, Jason Lee. Lee. He was in um, all Kevin Smith's films, like Mall Rats and Dogma. Yeah, yo, he, he'd be a good uh, he's, guy. To... He, he's the singer. He could he could play you. I think he'd. Yeah. You think he'd play me? If if, if they ever made a, mo- a movie about your life, he, he could play you. Oh. Thanks. I think that would work. Because if you feel safe with him, then you'd, you'd feel safe yeah. with him. Yeah, well, again, though, when he's on screen, yeah. I just think he's a really good screen presence. Yeah. And he's got a great voice, great singing voice. <laughs> they all do. I mean, Stillwater is, you know, even though there was an existing band called Stillwater, I think, and right. they had to write to them to say, is it all right if we use the name? Oh. Um, you know, so uh, in a way, they kind of weren't doing anything anyway, so it didn't really matter. But Stillwater, the band, I totally believed in it. Totally yeah. believed in it and totally thought that they were all uh, really good musicians. And you can imagine when you got like the members of Zeppelin watching this film. Yeah. When the, all the power struggles between the singers and the and the guitarist and I, the rest of the that. band, you, yeah. they must be watching that through gritted teeth, saying, "God, that's that's what we were like. We were that yeah. egotistical, you know." But Cameron Crowe, as a director, he seems to have a very clear memory. For things, I don't know about you, but um, I have an awful memory. I mean, if I actually tried to make a movie of my life, it would not look as clear and as and as crisp and as and as detailed as for what he would. I think mine would he's be. He's lucky enough though to have been writing for Rolling Stones, so he'll have yeah. all the pieces that he's wrote, all yeah, so he true. can just look back over all that. But still, as you're saying, I do. He I, seems I to be the kind of a person who probably would be a journal maker about, you know, a diary writer mm. who would actually remember things by writing them all. Um, I think his family were very. Because they said they had a lot of photographs to work with when they were, were, were making this yeah. film. Um, so may, I think having photographs and having written documentation really does help your memory yeah the level of detail and how specific it is to the 70s yeah. and I, I like all the like the groupies that they have with them I do too I do have <laughs> I, I have a slight problem with Kate Hudson because she looks too much like Robert Plant, so I can't find her attractive she in this film. She looks too much like Robert Plant. She has the same hair as Robert Plant, and she just oh. when I look because Robert Plant in the seventies was a very very pretty man. He looks a lot <laughs> gruff now, you know what I mean? But I mean, he just she looks like Robert Plant. I can't get away from it. Okay, and, um, I, I didn't think. Uh, yeah. And so when I'm looking at it, I'm like thinking she looks like Robert Plant. So I'm I'm not going to find her attractive. Something about Kate Hudson. She's attractive, but it's like Reese Witherspoon and. Um, my God, Reese Witherspoon at the BAFTAs last night. Oh, my God, yeah. 
really well, yes stunning well anyway sorry but, <laughs> um, but yeah, the, the, the groupies of, as well you know, Zoe Zoe Deschanel was not yeah. the groupie no, she, was a, she was a sister she was a sister yeah yeah I mean how many gorgeous women were in this movie oh because uh, what the one who was in X-Men uh, what's the name Anna Paquin yeah that's the one she's a groupie she she's a groupie, yeah, and uh, she, she's again another a different kind of a personality. Mm. Um, Frauza Bulk's in it. Um, she is Frauza yeah. Frauza Bulk. Is she the one who ran into the wall? She is. Yeah, I think because she is. she's the one who has the conversation with Francis McDormand on the phone, and that that yeah. conversation was incredible, where she tells us that her son is not taking drugs, and it's yeah. kind of like this. I, I just oh, Francis McDormand. Isn't it her idea so, to deflower? The kid. I don't know, is it? Is I think it? it's her idea in the film, yeah. Because yeah, they're sat around bored, so it's just something to do. Should we deflower the kid? Yeah, alright. <laughs> Isn't that weird? It's very weird. It's like... And it's like, this, <laughs> you know, this, the day you lose your virginity is, so, is like a huge day. Some people can't... Some people live their whole lives and don't get over it, you know no, what I mean? Yeah. And to them, it's just like, I'm a bit bored, deflower the kid. Yeah. <laughs> they just all sleep with to it. To them, you know? but to him... Even when I see that scene, I remember it. For him, you yeah. know, I don't. I you know, I forget about mine. You know, that this is this is look, look so much better than what I had. Oh God, yeah, yeah. <laughs> this I'm is like disaster. there's like dancing and there's 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 rhythm, there's music, and there's smiling. Uh, there's there's uh, there's actually lights on. <laughs> it's just. I suppose the man was in the dark and involved tears. <laughs> but it's just like oh it's <laughs> and, a, and a woman saying what are you doing <laughs> please don't do that it makes me uncomfortable <laughs> oh, yeah. would you mind if we didn't <laughs> yeah I've changed my mind <laughs> there's my trainers is at the door <laughs> yeah goodbye Reese. my name's not my, my... <laughs> Oh well, it's like yeah. This this is this is just one of my one of my favorite films, and everybody in it is just. I mean, let's talk about Frances McDormand. Let's get off the sex radar for a okay. second. Okay, and who's just uh, brilliant in everything she's in. She's she, such a great actress. I mean, you, you, when did you first see Frances McDormand? Please I think number. Fargo. Yes, exactly. It yeah. was that role. Okay, so we got a trooper pull someone over. We got a shooting. These folks drive by. There's a high-speed pursuit. Ends here, and then this execution-type deal. Yeah. I'd be very surprised if our suspect was from Brainerd. Yeah. And I'll tell you what. From his footprint, he looks like a big fella. You see something down there, Chief? No, I just think I'm going to barf. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I've oh, never geez. seen she. I think she put um, acting for middle-aged women back on the map. I mean, I know that every year Meryl Streep gets nominated for films, and she and and yes, that there was a bit, but there has been a gap since Tears of Tears of Endearment mm. and um, Silkwood and these movies. Well, maybe Cher and Mask and all these this, little, very few and far between were there actually roles for middle-aged women. That made you feel as though that that they weren't just hookers or or mothers. Mm. You know, she was so interesting. She was in Fargo, so 
effervescent and so warm comfortable you know again it's one of those things when she's in a film yeah you feel I safe. feel safe yeah and I feel safe knowing that she's going to to make me think she's going to make me understand and she's going to mother me through the, whatever scene she goes through yeah I know it's, that sounds really bad to say that she's kind of like a mother to you on the screen but she does she kind of leads you she's a teacher yeah um, she teaches you with her acting she gives you something I to, think, to yeah. walk away I with. I actually and, think yeah. you're spot on there. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So uh, th there's nothing that she can do, and I really love there's it. There's nothing that she can do. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's nothing that she cannot do. <laughs> cannot do. That, um, you know, and I always think, as soon as I know that she's in a movie, as soon as her name pops up, I know it's going to be good. Yeah. Absolutely. And that's all I have to say about that. Well, Just don't take drugs. Don't take drugs, kids. Just don't, don't do it. Because I love that guy who just shows up, the real hyper fan, yeah, who's yeah. obsessed with Led Zeppelin. You always oh, yeah, sees him yeah, in that yeah, hotel, yeah. and he's got, he's wearing the t-shirt with all the lyrics of the Rain song on it. And he's just mumbling. He's just, off, he's just off. his life is consumed with Led Zeppelin. That's yeah. all there is. Nothing else matters to him. I love that character. I saw them on the seventh floor. Uh, Mr. Jimmy Page, Mr. John Paul Jones, Mr. Robert Plant, Mr. Mr. Robert Plant uh, signed. Cameron Crowe makes me feel okay about, you know, because I always hated the idea of being a fanboy, about the idea of people gushing over celebrities um, and not looking at them as real people. Um, but there's a part of me that says, okay, well, after watching Cameron Crowe's films, and especially investing myself so much with it, almost famous, it is okay. It is okay to yeah, be at certain times, not all the time. You got, you got to be, you got to know when to hold it. You got to know when to show it. Yeah. And I think that the, the, yeah, he, this guy hiding you know, in the bushes at his house is going a step too far. Sure. Yeah. And well, just just being on Twitter and going. <laughs> Tom Cruise, follow me. That is just irritating to shit. And going yeah. to conventions and lining up to, to meet Warwick Davis and being a fanboy and saying, you're the work. It's just, it, that drives me crazy. Because they don't want to see you. They just want the money when they're at conventions. I can't, I can't do that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, give it to me straight. If I can meet anybody of my heroes, I'd rather be meeting them accidentally as it was meant to be, rather than forced. Yeah, but but, yeah. That, but that in that respect, if you ever run into one of your heroes, like you're just in a lift and one walks in, yeah, I'd be God, come and cross in a lift with me. I, I can't know. say anything to him. Should I? Should I talk to him? He probably has this all the time. No, I can't speak to him. I can't exactly. Speak to him. I can't speak you to him. you you run that script. I I'm exactly and I'm like, you don't speak to them more, do you? Is it is it? Oh, is it nature's way to speak to people? This, Do they expect it? I don't. I think a guy like Cameron Crowe would probably engage with them. Yeah. What a lot of the time pisses me off with celebrity. I just did um, an open a sort of speech mark. I don't know if this MP3 recording device can. I don't know. No, 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 it's sound only. I mean, right, so just you, using expression. But it's that good. It could just pick that up anyway. But, um, could do. Could it do. could do. You never know. See what I can do. I think you will. But like we said, some celebrities spend 
the, every waking moment to try and be as famous as they want as they possibly can be Being and then some, moments yeah. they are this celebrity yeah when people want to engage with them like no leave me alone i want my own private i'm like well fuck you well, this, talk, what, this comes with yeah celebrity. yeah yeah we talked i mean again simon Pegg made me reaffirmed my f- idea of it's okay to be a fanboy Mm. because he is a fanboy of what he and he's actually in there doing it still being a fanboy of what should read his book his book's really good uh, it's called Nerd Did Well I think or Nerd Does Well I'm getting there it's really good he's warming to I'm getting warmer to Simon Pegg it sounds <laughs> it's because the heating's on we've we finally got the heating on for this uh, um, and but yeah. yeah Simon Pegg I'm just, I'm sl- yeah it, it's taken me a long way a long time to kind of get used to him I think sometimes on fa- on Twitter he gets a lot of shit mm. and sometimes he lashes out and I can totally understand that I mean if, if you are trying to do the social media thing and you get all these idiots and you, you, you've got to go off on one a couple of times a few times because it just makes the more everybody else can realise well, I'm not going to get very far if I become an idiot don't fact, be a dick just yesterday James Gunn put a massive Facebook post yeah. About how he can't read the scripts that everyone's sending him. Oh, yeah. he's their ideas for films. That, that, that thing said, yeah, exactly. Because he really does engage in social media. And, yeah. You know, uh, the first time he liked one of my posts, I, I was like, beside myself. Oh, yeah. Ner- yeah. Serious nerdgasm all over the place, you know. <laughs> but um, he, um, he put a big poster saying, I don't have the time. If I read every one of your scripts, the next Guardians of the Galaxy film would be out in about 50 years. Yeah. I cannot read it. I will not read it. And please just stop getting annoyed with me for not reading it. Exactly. I mean, yeah. I, I'd love, I'd love for him to read my script, but I'm never ever gonna ask him because I'm never gonna approach him because I wouldn't want him to stop doing what he does. Don't stop them doing what they do then interrupt them by giving them something that's going to be a waste of their time. And besides, and if say imagine you you know you're a famous guy and you read a script and he sent a message back saying it was really good, really enjoyed it, very yeah. good. And then a few years down the line, you make a film, and maybe one little bit of it has just been influenced by that. You've not subconsciously, you've not noticed it, but something in that script just filters into something you've done. And that guy is saying, "Right, you read my scripts, and that part you've nicked off me, so I'm suing you for that." Keep it safe, yeah. So you can't. Exactly. Yeah, you've got to be you safe. Can't. You've got you've to. Got to be- could yeah. be your ass. But people don't realise that, and uh, I mean, I've, I've luckily I've never done that because I understand and respect that. I mean, and, and I find it very hard to do do that thing where um, where I include a celebrated personality in a tweet, or or um, it, it's it's amazing how I actually ever got some interviews from my previous podcast yeah. <laughs> because I I had to really be brave and go to go and ask these people, you know, did you want to do an interview? And, and it, it's it's you know you sometimes kind of feel yourself. I don't want to be that guy. Mm. I don't want to be that fanboy. I don't want to be that person who gets under people's skin. And so most of the time, I will talk myself out of it. Yeah, so. but then there's the flip side of that is saying, but you know what we're if? struggling and we want to create. And if just one of those people and like shares, yes. and then it goes viral. And then That's you might it. end up starting a little bit of money to be able to do these things. Exactly, so, exactly. So it's a it's a double edged sword, but you kind of but it's intuitive. You have to, I think, working with social media, you have to really be intuitive and know, uh, read read what they're writing about for the last couple of days and yeah. kind of gauge what is going on in their minds. It's like you know, whenever if ever you do send a script to a producer or a director or somebody. Um, and, and they actually do read it. 
depending on their mood and depending on what's going on in their life will depend will determine how they read that script and whether they like it or not yeah of course yeah so that's that's i mean you've got their lives on screen so look at it and really figure out is this really really worth Mm. it are they getting a lot of hassle right now are they in a good mood here's the thing okay cameron crowe cameron crowe i do not think he works with the fear he doesn't work with the fear. I don't think he has a fear. I don't think he does either. And I think I can understand what yeah. you're going to say here. Yeah, I think he knows exactly the where kind he of is. films he makes. Yeah. He knows exactly where his talents start and end. Yes. And he and he works that beautifully and perfectly. And do you know why? Apart from Vanilla Sky. Yeah, because he, he's been doing it since a young age. I think yeah. if, if, you're jo- if you're Jodie Foster... Who has who started off as a model as a as a baby, mm. you know, who's grown up in the industry. If you grow up in the industry, then it's completely different, because you kind of become that, and yeah. you you kind of know it. It's like being a surgeon. Surgeons shouldn't should have a little bit of fear, but you know, you shouldn't they shouldn't be going and going. Oh my god, I think this could be my like my last operation. Yeah. <laughs> you know? This is going to be. I it. hope I don't cut an artery. I really hope I don't lose my watch in this guy's spleen. <laughs> so, but yeah, but for him, you're right. I think he's got he he knows the industry so well. Yeah, he is able to converse with people. In the right way, he's had the guidance from really good parents who understand the industry as well and let him get on with things. His mother is adorable, by the way, on that commentary. She's so, yeah, so funny. So, you know, it's like, I can't believe you did that. I can't believe you said that. You know, that's exactly what I said. And she's Mm. just really there with it and understands it. Um, But that's L.A. I mean, I I, I take it he was born and bred in L.A., he grew up in LA. He grew up in the industry. He knows yeah. everything. Um, here in Manchester, I kind of thought that it would be, um, you know, the, the the closest thing you can get um, to LA. <laughs> <laughs> in England, the, the close. No, listen to me. The closest thing you can get to LA. I mean, London is it has its in film industry with with. Oh, London's like its own country. It's good, but it's but the thing is, yeah. You 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 swallowed in it. Mm. It has its Pinewood. It has its um, the other one, Shepperton Studios. Yeah. It has its L Tree, L Street, Elm Street, L <laughs> Street Studios. It has those studios, and that's fine. But the thing is, you 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 have to be an indi- in, in, in you have to be a, a professional industry professional to actually ever be in that circle. Mm. Here in Manchester, there's no real big massive studio there's no. a, lot, a lot of pockets there's a lot of broken up um, pockets of BBC ITV and you'd think that, that that this town was a little bit more media savvy because they have so many media outlets I mean they've got the Coronation Street there S- the Sulphur Keys is completely media yeah. city they've even named it it's literally called media, media city. city but yet people find it very awkward to to engage about the idea of making a film or talking about film in that in, in the way that we do mm. um, I've only ever met uh, two people in Manchester who actually are able to talk at this level and you're one of them wow and are you the other uh, the other one is 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 John, who I made totalitas yeah, with yeah, here yeah, and yeah. Uh, and B one hundred, and he, you know, he really got ex- he gets excited about discovering new things like Guy Madden. He he introduced Guy Madden films to me. Incredible. Which, but, which one do you prefer, him or me? Um, 
<laughs> I don't do preferences. Yeah, I mean, whatever. You, you don't, don't, prefer him. Whatever. You do whatever. not. You do not compare the oak tree to the to the um, to the bamboo. You're, you're okay. dead. To, you're dead to me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The comparisons mean nothing to me. Um, uh, so so yeah, you you think that people were kind of like able to talk about it a little bit more, but you know you know he's from LA mm. and most people in LA should be able to talk about film all the time without having any problem and you know I don't think that's probably James, James Cameron that is Cameron Crowe's yeah. identity is film and yeah. music definitely journalism and he got that that's the long answer by the way yeah. he got what sorry and he got that performance out of Cooper Gooden Jr oh my god he got an Oscar for Jeremy Blair yeah, didn't yeah. he and that's... that is so he is brilliant in that film he is yeah yeah and i'm not seeing him anywhere near as good in, no. in anything else cameron crowe brings people out that scene where um, yeah. they're advertising they're doing that advertisement and he's got that camel with him yes love that it it's so funny it is you see that camel that camel feeling my pain this is how i feel <laughs> you know? exactly it's so good. but it's a comedy role as well and, and, the, and the academy doesn't usually award um comedy roles i mean they, they've they've started to Probably since him, actually, mm. I don't think before Cuba Gooding Jr. that that the the comedy roles were always it's always about the uh, the guy who's dying of cancer or oh, somebody yeah, who's, who has a disability or you know the seriousness. But um, yeah, the, the, the struggles in life. But he he actually broke the mold, I think, mm. um, for for Jerry Maguire. And plus, his speech was so incredible. I don't know if you remember that Oscars, but he did pretty much the same speech that he had at the end when he had collapsed on the football field as the character, yeah. and uh, he's lying on the ground. And he goes, "Just give me one moment." I love that moment. And then you get somebody does the dance. He does and he goes, dance. I love you. I love my wife. I love my kids. Oh! <laughs> and he does exactly the same thing at the Oscars when he gets his, um, and he literally goes, he, he takes it to the fold. He really. I love that. it. Watch it. Yeah. Uh, Cuba Gunn Jr.'s acceptance speech from the Academy Awards. It's it's gold. Cuba Gooding Jr. and Jerry Maguire. I know I have a little bit of time, so I'm going to rush and say everybody, and you cut away. I won't be mad at you. Tom said, don't forget to thank your wife. I will never forget to thank my high school sweetheart and the mother of my children, Spencer and Mason. I love you, Sarah. And my, my parents who are here, Shirley and Cuba, Cuba the First. And, uh, and God, I love you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father God, for putting me through what you put me through. But I'm here and I'm happy. <laughs> um, I just want to... Oh, here we go. Okay, uh, the studio, I love you. And Cameron Crowe and uh, Tom Cruise. I love you, brother. I love you, man. Derek Crowe, Sean Settles, uh, Keith Butler, all my behind-the-scenes crew. Regina King, I love you. You did a great job when we made the movie. Everybody involved with the movie. It's, it's one of the, it's one of those prickly feelings. And this is a film that, that basically started. Um, what's her name? Is in, in Jeremy Maguire. Oh, uh, Renée Zellweger. Renée Zellweger started yeah, her career. Yeah, was she in? Um, 
She was in Empire Records, in, uh, which was kind of like a mediocre teen yeah, flick. Yeah. Just before that, just before. Not Liv Tyler like, was in that. Liv Tyler was in that. Yeah. They, th- those, those two kind of broke broke free from that after that film, but they weren't discovered in that film. They kind of just went through with that film. But <laughs> Liv Tyler popped with Armageddon, I think. I think that's when she... Yeah, and she, then she went all Elvish, didn't she? Yeah, and then uh, I think that kind of smothered her a bit with typecasting, and I don't think she's ever she's ever done anything since, really. Um, mm. Although maybe it actually is a choice because she's actually a mother and she's focusing on that. But yeah, you're right. Renny Zellweger really became Renny Zellweger. Yeah, in that film. Um, she's great, isn't it? and she's adorable. Yeah, she really she's is. A... We live in a cynical world. A cynical world. And we work in a business of tough competitors. I love you. You complete me. And I just had... Shut up. Just shut up. You had me at hello. You had me at hello. Single mother. Yeah. Oh, I love a sister. A sister's such a bitch. Bonnie Hunt. Yeah, but she's brilliant in it. She really is so good. good. And uh, I, I, another underrated um, role. It's the whole um, "Don't cry now" at the beginning, cry at the end, like 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 everybody else. Yeah, we all do, you know. And it's that. But there is that moment where they're fooling around. Tom Cruise and Renée Zellweger are fooling around, and she's by the window. She's still feeling a bit of pain, but there's a moment where she hears the happiness, yeah. and she smiles, and it that it sends tingles. And when you get an actress who actually is able to send tingles down your spine because they're so invested in doing what they do. Mm. That's a good role. That's a very good role. I, and I That's enjoy it. Bonnie, writing, Bonnie, Bonnie writing, Bonnie Hunt. <laughs> it's it's happy Bonnie, Bonnie, Bonnie writing, right, Bonnie yeah. Hunt. Uh, Bonnie! Bonnie! Yay! And she's she's just a funny... She actually has her own TV show, I think, in uh, America, in Bonnie Hunt show. I don't know if that's still there. Mm, I can imagine her doing it. She's got that kind of... Yeah, that kind of pers- uh, personality. Yeah, Diane Sawyer it. kind of um, yeah, very sarcastic. Yeah, you, you, yeah, it's yeah. but not enough to be in like a Loose Women or The oh, View. No. Oh God, no! She would never be catty. I think she, she's kind of uh, yeah, she's got that Mother Goose quality that Frances McDormand would would do well as well. Mm. She, but uh, I think she'd be. <laughs> I can't imagine Frances McDormand having her own TV show. But yeah, Bonnie Hunt, Jerry Maguire, very cool. Yeah. Very cool, but the whole cast is. I mean, even the kid. Oh, he's yeah, he's such a cute kid. <laughs> Hilarious. He's yeah. The, the and the, the little the chemistry between Tom Cruise and that little kid is just great. So yeah. good in that film. And let's talk about Tom Cruise. I mean, let's let's really talk about that crazy guy. Tom, we have to give him his due. I mean, um, Tom Cruise, uh, no matter what film he does, he does work hard. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Even though that uh, there are there are times where you kind of just you know like Mission Impossible Two, Vanilla Sky. Um, there, 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 there are many many films where I feel as though that he is just Tom Cruise. What this gu- is it? gushing over you? Does um in a does, does yeah. a celebrity get so popular, so famous that it's just it's just Tom Cruise? In a film like what we had with Interstellar and Matt Damon yeah, Matt being Damon. in it, because it's just we like Matt this, Damon's in this film. We like them, 
for what they do and we enjoy them but they they don't seem to go for roles and do you, and do you know what the situation is i think i figured it out so films are written with actors in mind okay uh, if um, and it's and it's only the money that pulls them in not their acting even though they are capable actors yeah they're very capable actors but they don't they're not they're not saying okay well i'm going to write this film for tom cruise he's going to be in it he's going to be great in it but he's never going to be anything more than Tom Cruise, mm. the actor. Oblivion, for example. Yeah. But then Edge of Tomorrow, I wouldn't say that was written for Tom Cruise. I reckon Tom Cruise saw that script and thought, I want to, this, seems, I want to this is it. interesting, I want to do this. And then just him being interested in it means the film's going to get made. Yeah, exactly. It's enough. Yeah. But it doesn't and there's but something it... different about Edge of Tomorrow than I've seen in a lot of Tom mm. Cruise things recently you know yeah and, and I think that maybe there's a little bit more investment on his part because he really wants to do it uh, maybe he and maybe I'm wrong maybe he wants to make all these films that uh, seem to be written for him mm. I mean I think ever since Top Gun Top Gun he played the same role that he does in Days of Thunder yeah and for some reason that there seems to be a formula for him the formula is is that he has a, he has a cocky character who thinks he's invincible he gets an idea or, or wants to do something that just suddenly changes everything or he wants to become something that's just beyond and it, it all falls apart. He then needs a woman there to kind of, um, first of all, to be introduced to and then to fall in love with who picks him up, takes him and makes him say, that I believe in you, sends him back out there yeah. and he just goes and smashes it and, and does it. So Top Gun, Goose dies, he loses it, he's on his own um, and... The, and, and Kelly McGuinness brings him up mm. sends him back out there uh, Days of Thunder it's Nicole Kidman who brings him back after a car crash um, you've got Jerry Maguire it's Renee Zellweger who brings him up well, and puts him back that's out that's what I was going to say yeah Jerry Maguire does the same formula formula but it's better it is better it's because um, he starts it and he just wakes up doesn't he in the middle of the night and writes a mission statement mission statement yes and all about how we're a memo yeah, it's a memo. We said no, it's not a memo. It's a mission statement. It's yeah. a, 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 a yeah. gag like throughout that. the film. That's yeah. like that. Yeah. And um, he he just had this sort of like epiphany, doesn't he? That mm. you know, this is we're doing it all wrong. We're doing we it all should, wrong. We should. Yeah. We're not thinking about the people. We're thinking about money and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, we should do. So basically, they fire him. And um, but he starts it as a bit of a a bit of a dick doesn't he he is yeah, a bit of a dick he is a you bit know of a dick. like like he's going out with Kelly Preston and, and, it's kind of like know, a cocktail where it's, it's that kind of dick, dicky quality of I, I want to be the best I want to be this and I'm going to get all the yeah. way but when he, yeah. he what he writes in that mission statement mm. comes to fruition throughout the, to the end of the film he'd be he, you know when he meets Renee Zellweger and you know she she loved what he wrote in this in this mission statement so she's the only one who will back him up yeah but he basically still he just sees her as a bit of meat and he uses her, he has sex with her and then he's really not that interested again. He stops being a bit cold with her. But throughout the film and everything that changes is he changes as a person. Yes, exactly. And he it, does. Yeah, Bonnie I mean, Hunt has a lot of influence on him yeah. because he, you know, don't screw it up and he keeps on thinking about it. How, how do I not screw it up? Yeah. Ask her to marry me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> how, to get how, married. How, like, how, what do I do? How do I not screw it up? What would I normally do? 
Uh, they're the opposite, you know. It's the you know, it seems to be playing that game with himself, and that's yeah. that, and that is different. And yeah. what is very different as well, and it's very human, and it, I've not seen it much, is he's fallen in love with her kid, but not her. And she sees that. She sees the way that you know there that was a scene when they're in yeah, bed together, in and the little boy comes in. And you can remember more than you thought. And I'm surprised. Yeah. And a little boy comes in and yeah. she and he's like, "Can I get in bed with you?" And she's about to say, "No, we're you know we're having a moment." Here. He's like, "Sure, buddy, you know, get in." And at that moment, she sees he really, really likes me, but she, he's, he loves my kid, and that's why he's he's looking after me. That's why he's with me. And it takes him to lose her, mm-hmm. and for that to happen to Cuba Gooder Junior. For him to just realise, you know. I need her. I am. I've got. I need her. You know, and it's quite a beautiful thing. You could say that Jerry Maguire um, was the kind of the the last film that started you that that was using Tom Cruise as a device in that way. Then that the mm. formula ended with Jerry Maguire, um, because then you've got directors who desperately want to work with an actor um, taking jobs because they want to because of the prestige and association. Yeah. Um, I mean, Tom Cruise wanted to work with Steven Spielberg desperately wanted to work with him so he did um, Minority Report yeah and War of the Worlds and War of the Worlds two films yeah and he he loved the experience he wanted to work with Kubrick who wouldn't (laughs) and I think that if if any 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 other film would come away come apart you know come to fruition um, I can't imagine it being any different to Eyes Wide Shut it's a great film it is yeah, I think it, I think people it, people, people mistreat look, that. Yeah, if you look down on it, I think it's a yeah, a really really fine piece of work. Yeah, it's apart a from that annoying piano soundtrack, it really great. Yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. But it, it that's Kubrick. I mean, he has to kind of put something in your head that you don't necessarily have to enjoy. Unlike Cameron Crowe, who everything that goes into a film is like a, is like a palatable, tasteful yeah. thing that just goes down well and you digest it. Yeah. Oh yeah, what's wrong with that? That's exactly, exactly. People might say, "Oh, it's a bit of fluff," you know, but there's nothing wrong with no. just a, a person who just wants to make nice films. Yes, about people that nice things will happen to him yeah. by the end. What is wrong? With I mean, that? we said that that we bought a zoo was 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 quite sentimental, but it, it it's it, it is. It is what it is. It is, and but it's still it's nice. It's still nice, and it's still yeah. an unusual film to choose to watch. I kind of felt a bit like, why are we watching this? Yeah. Because of the title, "We Bought a Zoo." It kind of sounds like a children's book. What would you, um, what would you have called it? Uh, um, we purchased a zoo. <laughs> uh, why do I have a fucking zoo? Yeah. I don't know. Why a zoo? I'm Matt Damon. Why have I got a zoo? <laughs> Matt Damon with a zoo. I'm uh, married to Scarlett Johansson. Yes. Yes. Fair enough. Yeah. If Scarlett Johansson wants a zoo, I'm buying her a zoo. <laughs> yeah, that's a good title. A bit long, but that's okay. <laughs> but, I mean, but again, Matt Damon doesn't need to prove himself for anybody. He just wants to work with Cameron Crowe. And I think that yeah. was a... Um, because he knows it's going to be an enjoyable experience and he knows that there's going to be val- there's going to be values to, to mm. take from it and a lesser... And, and, you know... He's very much a family man by this time to to make that film, and it is a film about family. Yeah. So I, I think he it, Cameron Crowe takes actors when they when they're actually needing a change or needing to kind of reaffirm their identity with something, and I think he grounds people in that identity, and I think that's very useful. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you need to kind of fix yourself, <laughs> go work with Cameron Crowe and not James Cameron. I was thinking James Cameron, and I was about to say James Cameron. <laughs> 
if you want to be in a three hour flick <laughs> and be forgotten about if you, away. if you want to spend about a year uh, surrounded by green screens then go with James Cameron and to be forgotten that, about and, to be forgotten about as well afterwards yeah straight yeah. after you know yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and be ridiculed. Forgotten about. I can imagine all the actors there in Cameron Crowe films are friends with Cameron Crowe for the rest yeah, of their lives. I bet, I bet he always sends birthday cards to them. Yeah. And they'll be funny. They'll be all funny. They'll be really funny. They'll be personalised. Personalised. Not done by like a PA. Oh, Cameron. I love him. What a guy. <laughs> What a nice guy! But, but honestly, it sounds like we're being sarcastic. But no, we're actually, I'm not. We're actually, it's actually quite it. generally, you know. And this is why we wanted to do this podcast because, yeah. you know, I, I I feel as though that sometimes we 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 kind of delve into the cynical side of ourselves quite a bit, and that mm. even though we loved Interstellar, that we we couldn't help us. Well, I couldn't help myself. No, I was the same. Pick yeah. pick a little bit here and there. So let's just say, okay, what about Vanilla Sky okay because we, we've picked him up okay let's just take him down with a couple of notches now well it was a, it's a remake isn't it it's a and I watched the remake whilst watching Vanilla Sky I, I decided to put Vanilla Sky back on because I noticed that the opening sequence was exactly the same yeah the uh, flow of the dialogue was exactly the same I think Cameron Crowe tried something different because he's yes. he's at that point where he can do whatever he wants yeah, you he know, wanted to he, find that fear. I, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe that's it. Maybe he wanted to find the fear and thought, "I'll do something different." And but a remake is also safe at the same time as risky. It's kind of like yeah, yeah. Like it's safe because you know that it, 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 it there's a there's a, there's a there's a source material that you can go to if you get in trouble. Yeah, but again, though, I think he, he's a filmmaker that he knows his limits. Yeah. But perhaps thought, I just want to try something different as a filmmaker, and the Cameron Crowingness didn't translate as well to someone else's work that's not his. Yeah, and it was. And he, he tried to put him into it. Yeah. Like using the music and, you know, the part, because it's all about the visuals, isn't it? And you see the Bob Dylan album cover, and he's sort of seen that in his head, and he's trying to input like that. But yeah, there's but, a moment in the car as well when he's with the guy, and they kind of like decide that they're not going to. Is it not going to go into work or something? So, yeah, yeah. Like that. It's kind of like that that Ridgemont High um, pull back to that kind of moment where mm. they're a little bit more rebellious. Um, but the, the the origin of Vanilla Sky was that it was Tom Cruise who bought the rights to that. Right. This was just after he broke up with Nicole Kidman. Right. So um, on on an emotional um, landscape, yeah, there's kind of like this public. Um, need to kind of like bring himself up into the public eye gently not not, not to be too much of an action hero let's be a, a damaged guy who's accused of murder in some sort of weird Scarface um, uh, man without a face kind of a, 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 a film that mm. is totally against what he would normally do as well yeah. it's not really his kind of a film but so it's just around the same time he did like Magnolia and things like that. Yeah, I think that was two thousand two. That was after. So he's he was still kind of exploring what is it I can do. And I think this, you know, people that were very hard on and, and hard. They were very hard. I can't say the word hard on because someone's going to soundbite it and twist my words and make it sound like I'm talking about dicks. Your mum doesn't have to soundbite. You'll be fine. My God. Yeah. The. We, we people are very hard. <laughs> people, are, people are 
people are bad. <laughs> so they, they, they look at Tom Cruise and they, they, they see Mission Impossible 2 and they call it a love letter. They look at Vanilla Sky and they call it a love letter, narcissistic love letter. Mm. And I'm thinking, well, there, there's a lot of envy and jealousy. That's what the media focus on as, as kind of like the, the devil is, you know... In the detail. In the de- devil's in the detail, and the details are that as soon as Nicole Kidman was free of Tom Cruise, she started to kind of act out like, uh, oh, I was never able to do this. I wasn't allowed to wear stiletto heels when I was with Tom. I never was able to do this kind of a film because of Tom. And she kind of put that around a lot. She put a yeah. lot of damage on him, a lot of hurt on him. The Scientology thing was, was kind of not looking good on him as well. And people were kind of saying that they, that they eat children and don't believe in psychology. Even though I think that Tom Cruise, as an actor, he's an actor who uses um, his acting as a, as a source of therapy. Yeah, I was listening to um, a podcast with Simon Pegg. Yes. And he was talking about Mission Impossible mm. and working with him. And Yeah, um, I'd love to know what his take is. Well, because it was Richard Herring who was interviewing him, and he's basically saying, so is he a nutter? And he said, you know what? He's possibly the nicest guy I've ever met. He said he's very helpful yes because he he's an intimidating guy to be with because yeah. you know he's that powerful yeah. in hollywood he never the scientology never came up no it, it he, doesn't he whatever anyone's belief is I he feel, completely respects yeah. it and he, he was just he was the nicest he's the nicest person he's ever been around in from hollywood and a part of me kind of feels bad about bringing it into the conversation just but i'm, I'm not even going to dwell on it but the thing is about it it is the elephant in the room and you got to because we're talking about him um, as well as Cameron Crowe and Tom, yeah, but but uh, isn't it just the media that ruins these people? I mean, Kevin Costner had it bad in in the nineteen nineties. What does what does Jerry Maguire say in his famous speech? This is a cynical world. This is a cynical cynical world, actually. Five percent. Yes, <laughs> and there you go, and it is. And I think he was probably. This that was long after. I mean, I think Jerry Maguire was the first film that that got him back on track. Mm. Um, since you know, that was the first film that was kind of Tom Cruise you doing can, what yeah. he does. You couldn't best. imagine anyone else doing that. I began writing what they call a mission statement, not a memo, a mission statement. You know, a suggestion for the future of our company. A night like this doesn't come along very often. I seized it. What started out as one page became 25. Suddenly, I was my father's son again. I was remembering the simple pleasures of this job, how I ended up here out of law school, the way a stadium sounds when one of my players performs well on the field, the way we are meant to protect them in health and in injury. With so many clients, we had forgotten what was important. I wrote and wrote and wrote and wrote. And I'm not even a writer. I was remembering even the words of the original sports agent, my mentor, the late, great Dickie Fox, who said, The key to this business is personal relationships. Suddenly, it was all pretty clear. The answer was fewer clients. Less money. More attention. Caring for them. Caring for ourselves and the games, too. Just starting our lives. Really. Is there anything about Cameron Crowe that we need to talk about? Is, um, what's he working on now? I have absolutely no idea. Did we, did we not do our research? <laughs> of course not. Um, you tell me to turn up. I just turn up. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, well, you, you know, we, the films that we haven't talked about, Say Anything was his first direct natural um, debut. Yeah, John Cusack. Um, 
yeah and um singles i haven't watched i do i i i could get hold of it but i i haven't really kind of gone there yet elizabeth town the reason I didn't watch that is because Orlando Bloom's in it. Uh, yeah, exactly the same reason. I think yeah. I, I saw him in uh, Heaven and Earth or something, and he was work- yeah. or, or Troy, one of those, and he was working opposite Peter O'Toole. And he, I, I honestly, I, I think I need to get over it. I think I have a problem with Orlando Bloom, and I think I need to embrace him as a person. Yeah. Did you ever I don't watch think he's the, a bad person. Did you ever watch the episode of Extras? With Orlando Bloom in it, no, he's brilliant. He Is really he? takes the piss out of himself, really, because he's like obviously he's playing in extra, just big-headed arsehole. Yeah, and he's going up to the main girl in it, saying, "Hey, fancy, um, fancy, you know, coming out later, sort of thing." So, no, no, not really. I'm not. I don't not really that. I don't really like you. You know, I'm, I'm Orlando Bloom. <laughs> I could have, I could have anyone I want. Yeah. I've kissed. Name a girl from Hollywood. I've kissed her. You know, he's that yeah, kind of yeah, asshole. It's yeah. really funny. Yeah. yeah, and I think I think he's probably, yeah, I don't, I don't know what it is, but there's something about, and this is what it is, it's misdirected hatred of a person that, yeah. that has nothing to do with him. It's to do with everybody who's a fan. You know, it's like the Robson Jerome thing, where yeah. everybody who loved him, wanted the album at Christmas, was like, oh, I love Robson Green. Oh, he's so lovely. Well, yeah, but you kind of resent yeah. them instead the of hating is, the people around them who, who kind of gush and kind of make them into these kind of grotesque, perverted things. Iconoclast. Yes. But yeah, exactly. Because I'm because I'm a, I've come from a musical background and, <laughs> I'm, a, I, I, and, I'm, a, and I'm a snob, right? <laughs> what I, I've always done this. I did it at college. You know, says you must listen to the Beatles. Well, everyone listens to the Beatles, so I'm not gonna. Yeah, I was the, the rebel who does the, the opposite. Like, like yeah. that. I was the first person to be into Zeppelin, and then when everyone got into Zeppelin, I went oh, to Pink Floyd. Passe, yeah, yeah, passe. I did but, that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, if, if if something's being hyped, I mean, I have never watched Games of Thrones. I will watch it when everybody shuts the fuck That's, up. About I am it. exactly yes. Once everybody shuts up and, and stops filling my head with the bullshit that they dribble over. Mm. Uh, I just I don't want to know. I don't want to know about. I'm sick of walking into freaking rooms. Ah. Oh. Have you watched the new, the new episode the of Games of Thrones? The Queen sat on the bloody throne like, as no, well. No, I haven't. No, no, no. no I, don't I did it know. with Harry Potter. Yes. Have you read? Oh, have you read Harry Potter? No, I haven't. I haven't read a single Harry Potter. But you are. You haven't read Harry Potter. But no, I haven't. No. Yeah. You know what? They're written for children. The children's books. <laughs> but I have wrote. I have read the complete works of Douglas Adams. So shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah, you are. Wow, that was really where I come from. <laughs> Because, yeah, I mean, I did it today, and and somebody said that um, somebody uh, somebody said, I, uh, "Who's t- this guy at work?" Said, uh, "Who's Tom Selleck?" I said, "You don't know Tom Selleck. You've never seen Free Men and a Baby, Free Men and a Little Lady. You've never you know you never watched um, um, uh, <laughs> you done it again. Magnum GI. No, I didn't do it. PI Friends. GI PI. Did you watch Friends? Did you watch Coma? He was in Coma. He was in Coma. I love that movie. We should talk about that movie. Um, yeah, should we talk about medical thrillers? That'll be awesome. Um, but yeah." Um, you, I can't believe you don't know it. And then, and then somebody mentioned MacGyver. I think it was MacGyver, and I said, oh, "Is it the guy with the lollipop? What's the guy with the lollipop?" He's not MacGyver. That's not MacGyver. MacGyver was the guy who could no, who, who, who could build like an atomic weapon um, using. Who's a, what's that song? I said um, Kojak. Kojak. That's oh, the Kojak, one. Kojak right. lollipop. That's it. Um, yeah, I just remember that. that. Was Tom Selleck and Kojak? No, he wasn't. <laughs> but someone, someone said to me, he said, he said, he said, yeah, you've seen Kojak, haven't you? He said, no, I said. I, was like, I can't believe you're giving him grief about Tom Selleck, and yet you haven't seen Kojak. And I said, no, I, I, I put my hands up. Right. I haven't seen it. 
Well, yeah, I mean, that, that, I, I just don't believe in, in jumping on the hype train. I hate hype train. I do not buy into memorabilia mm. um, and unless I'm researching like, 10 years after, then I might have some. I've got some Star Wars magazines in there that I bought long time after they were actually um, editions. Because, right. So that kind of thing, you know, I'm, <laughs> I'm not a fanboy. Definitely not a fanboy of anything. No, no, not anymore. No, yeah. You just kind of enjoy. I mean, X Files we loved, but yeah. Anyway, let's not go. Uh, but yeah, but, but what were we talking about? Oh yeah, Orlando Bloom. Yeah. <laughs> because everybody kind of put him on this pedestal in, in Lord of the Rings. I just didn't feel as though I, I thought I saw him in other films. I just didn't think he was as good an actor as everybody kind of made out yeah. to be. And I think he he was lucky with Legolas because that was probably the range that he had. I really didn't have to act much in yeah. it because they're kind of emotionless anyway yeah. aren't they and, yeah um, exactly but then he was good in that part because he had this like completely perfect skin and you know he does, yes. he's great in them but then I, I think that you know Catherine watched Elizabeth Town and um, and she enjoyed it uh, the little bits that I saw <laughs> that's not fair um, the, the parts that I did see I kind of saw uh, this is definitely a Cameron Crowe film but it's, right, a, yeah. it's a slightly more subdued version of his film right. so from what I saw there's kind of like a journey involved um, something to do with ashes which is a little bit more dark darker than um, than, than the usual Cameron Crow. okay the, I, I don't think oh yeah what we bought a zoo he really hasn't directed that many movies he's directed in terms of films one two three four five six seven and he's just in post-production with his with his eighth or pre-production with roadies TV movie. It's a TV movie as well. Well, well I can Al- imagine Aloha if it's a film yeah. about roadies. Yeah. I can imagine him doing that brilliant. Yeah, I don't know what Aloha is, but that's in post-production as it's well. It's Hawaiian for hello. Yeah, I, I know. <laughs> a celebrated military contractor returns to the side of the greatest career triumph and connects with uh, long love while unexpectedly failing for the hard-charging Air Force watching his sign. Okay, so it's a military film. With Bradley Cooper and Emma Stone and Rachel McAdams, so oh, God. so, 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 doing, so something different. We so might Bradley have, Cooper's doing another military. So we might have another children in that. We yeah, artificial children. In um, American Sniper, he kills Iraqi children. Right. Okay. It, 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 the kid is running with a bomb, but. We need, I think we should. We'll talk about that. We'll talk about We're going to do an Oscars episode, and we'll talk yeah. about it in that because I've got quite a few things I want to say about American Sniper. But yeah, I mean, uh, when when Aloha comes out, we'll do one for that as well. And uh, why do I? Why am I eating a soft mint? Why? I don't know. It's not fair. Okay, so what are we going to do now, Andy? I think well, we've, we've talked enough. You, do you think? Has there anyone who's been able to write about their own life? done it better or as good as Cameron Crowe did with Almost Famous absolutely not no I don't I can't no I can't do it I can't think of anybody so if someone was going to write about your life yeah we kind of we kind of alluded to this Uh, yeah so so what would be the title the director actor what would it be about in five songs you want me to go first go on you go first then okay um Right. Okay, so, yeah. Okay. I have given a little bit of thought about this. <laughs> we haven't planned this at all. <laughs> we 
you're so full of shit. Well, I don't want to give too many pauses and breaks. Stephen texted me this morning, like, just as I dropped my daughter off and basically give me a mission that I had to do this. So to quickly <laughs> do it and get it and get to his health. And, and if we are actually, because, uh, yeah, we do this podcast pre-recorded, um, hopefully we put this out on Facebook to get what other people say. So, yeah. okay, but this is what I got. Okay, the title of the movie of my life will be The If Only Side of What If. Okay. Kind of just a weird freaking title, isn't it? If that probably, it's a Pretentious. Word. Pretentious. Bastard. <laughs> okay, I'll just call it If Only. No, I actually like total. If <laughs> Only Side of What If. The director? I'm going to go with Robert Zemeckis. So what, what do you think he'd, he'd do? Well, I think it'll be a lifelong tale of me, and, and this is my synopsis in 25 words or less. Um, it'll be the long life tale of me, Stephen Radford, starting in the countryside of Lincolnshire, where my my creative worth is just stifled. I go to Australia and discover writing, weed, and fast times with loose women. I then go home and see my mama, you know, and then I leave again to go to Fargo, battle blizzards and floods, only to then go back home see my mama. Uh, move to the Netherlands, discover the art that that um, being artless and uh, being creative and uh, being artful and creative is just pointless. And they, they then um, they try to turn me into this Dutch-speaking moron. Um, and then then I go back home, see my mama, and then I move to Manchester, get married, settle down, have a kid, and I, then I get Andy to edit this f-ing synopsis down to twenty-five words or less. <laughs> Cannot be done. Okay, what about five songs for the soundtrack? Um, oh, by the, the actor will be, uh, be played by Simon Pegg. I, I, think. By Simon. I reckon he could do you. <laughs> I reckon he could act you. <laughs> okay, was well, that five songs? Yeah, five songs. So the, the soundtrack of my life? Of, um, yeah, essentially, yeah. Okay, in, in songs, okay. Okay, so Jimi Hendrix all along the watchtower. I prefer his version. Version, it's, it's kind of, yeah, it is it's, it's with me more than other other versions. Manic Street Preachers, you stole the sun. That um, has a personal meaning to me. Uh, the Shins, new slang. Really? I just really dig that. I they dig their sound. Uh, Simon and Garfunkel, the uh, the boxer. Um, great tune. It's, it's a great tune, and I think that's what when I'm running backwards and forwards to my mama. I think that'll be kind of. It's the, Backing theme like yeah. um, like they did for the graduate, you know. Yeah. You know what they do? What they do with the graduate? Eh? Yeah, I want that. It's like a forest. It's beautiful. And then the last long, last one is uh, Annie's song by John Denver, uh, because that will kind of encapsulate what, uh, us writing at the end and kind of uh, working a few of our projects. And it has a, a different meaning. And what would be the composer? Gustavo Santoliana. 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 <laughs> <laughs> okay, this will be the best one. Gustavo Santaola. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. Good guitarist. Um, he's a beautiful guitarist. Um, he did this, this, this score for The Last of Us, the game. Um, he didn't, <laughs> he's done many scores. <laughs> <laughs> the Last of Us? Yeah. And just look him up. Just Gustavo <laughs> Santaola. Santiola, I, I, I butcher his name. Santiola. Santiola. Gustavo. Okay, there you go. So that's that's my film. Okay, well, for mine, because yeah. of, um, I think mine would be a dark film. Because okay. I suffer with lots of brain stuff. <coughs> as in being, you know, like depression and whatnot. So, Mark Marin, 
who's a bit of a hero of ours, he had a, he had like a comedy special, and a lot of part of it, a part of it was talking about like mental health issues and stuff. And he called it Thinky Pain, so I think I called the film Thinky Pain. Okay. Okay. So the same title of his album. Yeah, and it'd be directed a... by David Cronenberg. Really? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Stuff happens the there. Yeah. <laughs> the actor to play me would be Justin Theroux. Uh, who he was, was? He was in Mulholland Drive. He was the, the writer of Mulholland Drive. Oh, nice one, nice one. Okay. It'd be a psychological horror where we delve into the mind of a man who struggles with mental health issues. He has an unfortunate encounter with a popular cinema train, chain and a train where he starts to lose grip on normality. Mm-hmm. Okay? Right. Five songs for the soundtrack would be The Heart's Filthy Lesson, David Bowie. Okay. One Time by King Crimson. Surfs Up by the Beach Boys, 21st Century Schizoid Man, also by King Crimson, and About to Crash by Dream Theatre. And the composer would be Angelo Badalamenti. He did, well, pretty Angelo much every single David Lynch, everything David Lynch did, he's pretty much yeah. music to. Oh, so he, he, he's the Twin Peaks guy? Yeah, he's Twin Peaks, he, yeah. I, I like the way he describes how he did that film, how he did that score, and how he just developed it with him next to, next to him. Oh, Beautiful. I, I love. I love that little piece on YouTube. They wrote, yeah, they wrote music. Like they've done albums together, sort of like industrial blues music. Yeah. It's really good. Because David Lynch would say, "Okay, I want you to tell me uh, how I would feel about going into the forest," and he would just do this little piece. I said, "Okay, okay, okay." So now we find a body. He goes, "Hey, just a little, little, little bit more of a piece." We do, we do, we do, we do. it's like it's just, it's just incredible. Yeah. But <laughs> if Michael Bay made the film of my life, oh dear. The title would be Julius Lewin. <laughs> the actor playing me would be Mark Wahlberg. <laughs> and the synopsis would be, A giant Will Smith is destroying the world. Mankind, but only mankind, not womankind's only hope is Julius Lewin, played by Mark Wahlberg, who was a quantum physicist slash bodybuilder, who has, devel- <laughs> has developed a serum that shrinks men but makes women's booties bigger. <laughs> I can imagine this being you, yeah. Five songs for the soundtrack. Get Jiggy With It. <laughs> Party Starter. Wild Wild West. Julius the Bad Mofo. And the Fresh Prince of Belen. <laughs> and the composer would be Steve Jablonski. Because <laughs> <Is it> me? <laughs> no, no. Who <laughs> did all the, who does all the music to Michael Bay. Oh, okay. Yeah. There you go. Can I just do a correction? I'm going to do a correction to my synopsis. I have it in less than 25 words. Right, go on then. It's directed by Rob Zemeckis, if only. Um, yeah. Stephen Radford, while not intelligent, has accidentally been present at many historical moments, uh, but his his true love, Andy, <laughs> eludes him. <laughs> Filmmaker Andy eludes him. There you go. Perfect. Okay, so we're done. Yeah, I think we can end it there. You see, we we I noticed we did not have Michael Bay touching upon any of um, Cameron Crowe's films. I don't want him to touch him. But what would happen <laughs> if? You know, I'm I'm gonna take this opportunity to to let the people know how they can contact our friends at Frame by Frame. They do that podcast You thing. know, two guys, yeah, they do the podcast, okay? So how... They're nice, they're, they're like a forest, which is a beautiful thing. Exactly. And so if you want to, to, to do the communicating thing, you know, the social networking 
uh, thing. Yeah, you can yeah. Uh, you can tweet those guys tweet? at Frame by Frame seventy eight. If you'd like to go to the website, that will be www.roastedportions.com. Hey, 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 hey. You don't need to do the www. It's implied that it's going to be the World Wide Web. The people need to know that. Okay, just go to roastedportions.com. Okay. You go down on the right hand side. You've got the social connections. You can you can talk to the people who do the show. You can even talk to uh, uh, the people who made that movie. You know, CACO three. Who'd want to talk to those mooks? I don't know. They made a pretty interesting movie, right? Yeah. It was in black and white. Yeah, black and white. I yeah, like you know, that. We like black and white because, and there was also some trees in that movie too. Oh, trees! It's like like being in a forest, which is a beautiful thing. Other connections, you can really get to know these people on YouTube as well. And if you want to comment on their on their podcast, I urge you to do that. Okay? Yeah, I think it is a, a proper, really nice thing if people want to start contacting these Subscribe guys. Subscribe to them and then and com- comment. I mean, it's just, just polite, you know. Also, you can email them at framebyframe78 at gmail.com. That's it. I think that's everything wrapped up, so... Hey, I'm gonna I'm gonna go and plant a tree somewhere. Okay, you go plant some trees. I'm, I'm gonna, gonna go, go plant a tree. I'm gonna go tweet. You tweet, I'll plant a tree. It's us. We're out of here.